looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. G'day everyone, good morning, welcome to Pass the Post, Sunday November 14. We're starting to wind things down in the south, we went out of the city and we went to the provincials yesterday, but for Metropolitan Meetings, it was the third running of the Hunter at Newcastle. It was the first running of the Cranbourne Cup as a Saturday Metropolitan Meeting. So we'll be looking at both of those races and those meetings. And, of course, whilst they're winding down interstate, we're starting to crank up here in southeast Queensland. Only one sleep away from the official start of the summer carnival. I know it's spring, but that happens. We have uh, the winter carnival in autumn as well. But anyway, next Sunday, next Saturday is the the opener of the Sunshine Coast. But we had a good day of racing at Doomid yesterday with a listed feature. Won by Tambo's mate, the Tab Keith Nowden. We'll talk about that, plus plenty more. And, of course, Western Australia's Carnival in Perth is starting to hit its straps as well. Another man is winding down as far as past the post is concerned is Ben Doris. This is your last day today. Yeah, I, you've got Not me, forever. You've got me sacked, is that right? Or? No, no, no. <laughs> no I, I swap and change um, <laughs> yeah. as I see fit and... It's, Time for you to have a little spell. But you've enjoyed the spring. No, it's been terrific. Nathan Exelby's back, I think, uh, next week to take my seat over the summer carnival and the lead-up to the Magic Minions, which will be terrific. But uh, I've uh, very much enjoyed being in this chair and uh, must say celebrated uh, to some extent my last show with a few espresso martinis last night, maybe a few too many. So I've got a bit, of, the drink. bit of a sore head this morning, David. OK, fair enough. Uh, yes, uh, but you'll be back, of course, uh, as we get into autumn. And don't forget, of course, Past the Post brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Plenty of horses there for sale, plenty of horses are racing, and plenty of horses are winning. Well, speaking of winning, let's go to the Newcastle meet yesterday. And the feature was the Hunter, the third running of this million-dollar race. It looked lost in running's race to lose. Uh, he looked dominant form-wise, and he was dominant betting-wise. $2.50 in favourite, and here's the replay. Special Ward slipped up on the inside, racing to a narrow lead from Prime Candidate, who's trying to come back. A length off to Lost and Running. Bowman starting to wind him up. A length further back to Sweet Deal. Top ranked as one pace, and Wonderbar went past, but Bowman goes for home here on Lost and Running. Two lengths clear. Wonderbar's the only danger. Lost and Running a length and a half to Wonderbar, then top ranked, and Lost and Running too classy. Wins the Hunter by a length and a half. Wonderbar second, top ranked third. Kemantari late from Sonore Fox up the inside. Further back to Count of Monte Cristo from standout Bandersnatch. Stockman heading the line well late. Then came Raheran from Gemsong. Prime candidate got tired from Sweet Deal and Dawn Passage. It doesn't work out all of the time but it should work out most of the time that the best horse wins the best race and this was a great case in point yesterday. Lost and running. He was up on speed. He controlled the race. He was the best horse and he won which completed a very, very good spring campaign. Let's talk more about it with his trainer, John O'Shea, who's always had utmost faith in this horse. And, John, firstly, congratulations. Thanks very much. Yeah, it was a good day and good day for the horse in particular. It's an amazing situation with Sydney Racing now. I was going to say the Hunter was like a consolation prize, a million-dollar race being a consolation prize. But, of course, as we know, he went to the top of the tree in the Everest, ran well on the Classic Legend. Uh, you were happy with your campaign? Yeah, mate, we, we've been, you know, apart from an aberration at his first run where we caught a really heavy track and, and you know, was a little bit biased on the data horses out in the centre. So we just had to forgive that and, and regroup after that run. And, and, you know, pretty much every run after that had been really good considering where he was in terms of his fitness. And he got through it all well and continued to improve each time we stepped him out. 
Johnny might have been the best horse, or he was the best horse in the race yesterday, but he had to uh, do it the hard way to some extent. You must be mighty proud of him. I mean, for, you know, three wide, you know, had the had the top weight, obviously the, the wide barrier. I mean, he, he didn't sort of get a gift to him, did he? No, he didn't. Um, but, you know, we, we had a lot of belief in what was going on there yesterday and thought that, you know, he was going to run the best race for his preparation and you rode him accordingly. Uh, he didn't sort of he'd take all the luck out of it, didn't he? So, um it was a good effort on a beautiful track, and um, he, most importantly, he's come through it well. Bruce McAvady made a good point on Channel 7 yesterday, John, when he said these races, like the Hutter, they're starting to, to reinforce their reputations because the good horses are winning them. And I think this is another great case in point with your horse winning this, this race, which is now establishing <coughs> itself. It was its, its third running yesterday. Yeah, we've got obviously quite a few races that, like that in New South Wales where people just need to... You know, familiarise themselves each year, and uh, and each year they'll get stronger, and which has pretty much been case in point um, this season. Even the Everest, to a larger extent, has just grown and got stronger each season. So, um, you know, it's, it's changing times. Um, there's new races evolving all the time, which is invigorating the sport. And as a result, you know, as trainers, we need to sort of get in our uh, in our sites, how we plan for them and, and prepare for them each year, you know. And so th- with regard to loss and running, you know, I'm sure that he won't be the, the last horse to run in the Everest to, to make it into the Hunter. Mm. Is everything, uh, you know, it's a year out, I know, John, but is pretty much everything now geared towards the Everest next year? I'm imagining you'd have a fairly light autumn campaign with, with, with that big race in mind in spring. Yeah, no, we, we don't want to get too many miles into his legs and... and and we want to try and keep speed into his legs, and uh, and so consequently have a relatively light autumn. Um, and you know, not necessarily that he won't he won't be in the paddock a long time. He might have a you know an extended sort of period where he's just doing preparatory work. But uh, you know, he's not a horse we like to spell too much because he just does too well. So uh, everything will be geared towards the Everest next year, and you know, beyond that, well. You know, you might end up um, in the hunter again. You never know, depending on the scale of weights. But um, there's so many options for a horse like him at the moment. We're just sort of, but the main one, obviously, is to get to that Everest. Exactly right. Just whilst we've got you here, uh, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact you've had a pretty good spring in Melbourne as well, uh, winning with uh, Quantico and uh, Bend the Knee and Menage. Uh, You must have been happy with all of those performances. Yeah, mate. Look, obviously, we've got a building, build a team up over the last couple of years, and they're all sort of starting to come to fruition now. We've got uh, the right horses with the right draws in Melbourne during the Carnival Week, um, and got some really good rides as well. So, um, yeah, we've got a nice little team they're building at the moment, and um, we just uh, keep chipping away at them. Hopefully, they keep presenting well and racing well. Just on those three horses, what are the present plans with them? Uh, Minhas will go to the Oakley Plate. Um, Quantico will go to the New Market. Uh, ben and Neil will come to Queensland for the Magic Million. So, okay. um, yeah, they've all got sort of nice targets involved. And yeah. th- these carnivals keep rolling around. Uh, you know, there's not a week that goes by without a carnival somewhere. Have you got much of a summer carnival uh, Queensland team in mind? Obviously a few Magic Millions ones, but anything else of note that um, we should keep an eye on? Yeah, um well, we've got Alberta Beck resumes tomorrow. Uh, oh, not, not tomorrow, next Saturday in the gong, and he's a horse that'll make his way up there for the staying races. Um, we've got a really nice horse down here called Blesk, who 
won two starts ago and just got beat last Saturday. And I think, you know, he's a horse that, you know, pick up a decent race in Queensland during the summer. So, you know, just nice progressive horses that, you know, when they do step out up there, they'll, they'll be sort of in the market and give a good account of themselves. Just from a trading point of view or a trading operational point of view, John, and, you know, you're one of our leading trainers in Australia, it's almost like parallel operations in Australia. You've got to run your your bread and butter stable, you know, what runs 24-7. But at the same time, you've got to run that, that next line with the, the better class horses, you know, where to send them. Because as, as Ben said, you've got carnivals virtually, you know, 12 months of the year. Yeah, we're very lucky in that um, we've got a good arrangement with um, a couple of stables like uh, in Melbourne. Um, we send the horses to um, the Snowdens, um, you know, so we, we utilise those sort of satellite stables down there where we just whip them down two days prior to uh, and then, um, you know, they, they race in their home sort of Monday week, you know. So probably we've changed a little bit from in the old days we probably would go down there and go for a month, etc. whereas, you know, because there's usually good racing in both states, you just can't afford to be away from the horses. So... We just flick them down now. They're home within sort of 48 hours of their run. So it's probably a little bit different in that respect. John, once again, congratulations uh, on Lost and Running yesterday and the spring campaign. And he's going to be a major player, of course, next year. Light autumn and then look towards the Everest. And hope to see you here in Queensland getting results. Thanks for your time. Yeah, always a pleasure, boys. Look forward to seeing you up there soon. John O'Shea joining us as our first guest this morning on Past the Post. And Lost and Running was the best horse. A lot of people were a little concerned by the alley, but... He uh, he was able to roll forward. Had to do some work. You're right there. Bandersnatch did keep him working for a bit, but he really did control the race up near the speed, and he was too good. Yeah, absolutely. And I must admit, uh, when I saw him in the Everest, I sort of did a double take. I think he went out $41 or something like that, but was within two two lengths of Nature Strip, and we all saw what Nature Strip did, obviously, or well, A, in the Everest, but B, uh, when he went to Melbourne uh, as well. So, uh, gee whiz, that... Um, that looks good getting within a couple of lengths of a horse like that, and this this horse continues to improve. I think top ranked, uh, the second favourite there ran well as well. Never was a winning chance, um, but seemed to run on solidly enough. I'm sure that Annabelle Nation will have a bit of fun with that import. Wanda Bashi ran out of her skin. I used to back her in Class Threes up here, and she couldn't. <laughs> she is running second to Lost and Running yesterday, but on Lost and Running, uh, he has shown that he's got a lot of upside. That was only his uh, was it. 12th start yesterday for his 7th win so and we know he was competitive apart from the shorts he, he showed that he could match it with the likes of Nature Strip Eduardo and company so he's going to be a player for sure next year. Wouldn't you like to sort of have a small share of one of these horses already a year out talking about a, a campaign pretty much geared towards a $15 million race if you don't mind and you know what if something goes wrong there there's a, there's a nice million or $2 million race as a, as a bit of a reserve prize so as you said the million dollar consolation prize not bad is it? Any good news on the ownership front from you? Nothing, nothing doing. Nothing just the bills just keep coming in. Mine are paying. flying. <laughs> oh, that's a lovely yeah, thing. Yeah, going really well. And I also backed about 43 <laughs> seconds yesterday, so that was just tremendous. Which uh, prompted a, a, a hastened march towards the espresso martinis, <laughs> yeah. I imagine. That's what I like about the drink. Doesn't matter if you win or lose, you just still consume the same amount. <laughs> Let's go to some of the other features yesterday. The Group 3 Spring Stakes for the three year olds was the race before the Hunter. Here's the replay.
Festival Dancer in front by two uh, on Holstein and Lock Eagle. Uh, then Lease back on the inside. War Eternals hit the, the win there and is running all over the place. It's Festival Dancer clear. Two lengths on Lease. Then War Eternal. Arna Kerr five lengths away coming with a huge run late. But Festival Dancer stolen a march and Festival Dancer wins the spring stakes. Second goes to War Eternal and third between Lease on the fence and Arna Kerr wide out. Kokoro warmed up when it was all over. Then Holstein from Lock Eagle. A gap to Moon Stories to Frayner. Then Ironic Miss, Contributing Factor and Red Boulevard. She's done it again, Festival Dancer. Yeah, she certainly has. Darren's spot on there. She's a filly who took a little while to hit her straps. In fact, she had several starts before winning her maiden and since that maiden win a goal, but it's just been bang, bang. So that was her fourth straight yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a tenth start in a race when she finally broke a maiden, but she's certainly in that rich vein of form. But the, the, I suppose the story of the race really, as good as the winner, oh, the, the horse was, was about Dylan Gibbons, mm. uh, the apprentice, uh, obviously the, the son of a gun leading uh, Newcastle jockey Andrew Gibbons. Uh, he's only 20 years old, the kid, and he never actually got on a horse uh, until he was 16. So the family's really held him back, held him back, held him back. Um, and you know what? Like, the the wraps on him, and you don't like putting wraps on a young jockey because you just never know what's going to happen, but the wraps on him are, are huge. So I'd suggest young Dylan Gibbons uh, is one to watch for the next few years. He's obviously got a fair way to go. Uh, this was a, a rare sort of foray into town at this stage, but... Um, you know, did it beautifully on this filly and, yeah, potential rising star of the jockey ranks. Matt Smith, the trainer, of course, races in the Cook family colours. They've got a great association with Matty Smith and we often see him up here in south-east Queensland. He, he picks and chooses some races for horses that he thinks are suitable and I suppose just watching these races now, we've got to start to look to a summer point of view. You know, are we going to see some of these horses up here in the summer? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I suppose... I was talking about this with my uh, one of my colleagues the other day. We're probably just a week or two shy, aren't we, of knowing, getting a really good picture on what horses are, are you know, are coming up here. Like, I mean, John O'Shea would gave us a few names there, but I think we'll be in a lot better position maybe in a week or two to know exactly uh, what horses we're going to get up here for the mm. summer. And as week by week goes uh, goes by, we're going to see a Magic Millions picture develop as well. Pretty formative at this stage. You've got Cool and Gatter there, but. I don't know if there's been a hell of a lot more that have had red flashing lights on them, but anyway, that's all to come in the next few weeks. I'll tell you one thing about Magic Millions. If there's some interstate trainers and uh, participants and you know owners listening, I'll tell you what, if you want to get up for Magic Millions week, you want to book your accommodation now. I booked some accommodation last week. There's very, very little accommodation left on the Gold Coast for Magic Millions week. Obviously, the borders are open then. Pretty much the whole of Australia, I think, is is coming to the Gold Coast in January. So mm. accommodation very expensive, and there's not much left. So I, I'm sure Magic Millions have got some up their sleeve for, for trainers. But for everyone else listening, if you do want to be on the Gold Coast for Magic Millions, book your accommodation now. A good point made. Let's go to the Beaufort. This was a new race on Hunter Day, staying race, three hundred thousand in prize money, and Torrens is able to do it from start to finish. Torrens travels turning for home. Hushwater off the fence from Shared Ambition. He lost a length and a half or two. I think the favourite's gone. And Torrens dashes for home now. At the 300 metres by two lengths on Hushwater. Then Kiss the Bride who gets going. Sweet Thomas battling away. Down the outside, King's Charisma six off the lead. But Torrens going great guns at the 200 metres as well. Clear from Hushwater. Kiss the Bride. Nothing making any ground. And Jenny Duggan's done it again. Torrens destroys them here in the Beaufort. One 
fun for fun. The Ruffy Olympic Gays got second just in front of Hush Rider and Sweet Thomas running fourth. That should ensure a nice first four payout. Then Shared Ambition, King's Charisma, Kiss the Bride. Further back to He Runs Away and Ambitious Prince was last. He's a five-year-old, but he's relatively lightly raced. That was his 27th start, his ninth win. Laurie Parker trains and Jenny Duggan has had a, a fantastic run with this horse, Torrens, and she adopted the front-running role there yesterday. This was a horse that started his career with a trainer called Ethan Ensby in Ballon in northern New South Wales. We saw quite a bit of it in southeast Queensland, so I don't know the story behind it going from Ethan to, to Laurie, but whatever the story is, she's got the horse ticking over very nicely. Yeah, that was a nice win and uh, terrific work there from Jenny Duggan. I love her story. She waved to a kid. She's got three kids as she came back to the to the winner's stool. She's a mum of three who, who mixes, well, she, I mean, she's obviously a professional rider, but she wish she'd be busy behind the scenes with three kids as well. And, of course, she had that horror fall, didn't she? Mm. Uh, I think it was only last year where she ended up with a fractured skull and concussion and broken nose and all sorts of nasty things. So uh, good honour. That's another terrific win from an apprentice there yesterday. Let's go to the last race on the card. And Gravina was sent out favourite again, $2.50. Let's see how it fed. It's much, much better. Turning the corner in front from Pandano. Surreal Step moves up now, followed by Super the outside. Gravina the inside, still three off the lead. Catlin getting to the outside. Much, much better at the 200. Three lengths clear from Gravina. Uh, he's trying hard, but much, much better going well. Gravina, the wheels are spinning, and then came Catlin. But if you're on the grey in the last, you're feeling much, much better now. It's home and hose. Much, much better bolts in. Beat Gravina. Brutality third, Kinlock fourth. Then came Catlin, followed by Pandano. Surreal step super on the lead. Never talk standing bear and Grand Piano. Yes, Gravina uh, beaten again, third time as favourite. Uh, so despite the polish of Godolphin and the skill of McDonald's, still couldn't get it over the line. Yeah, and uh, this was one of my rare winners yesterday, actually, much, much better. I thought I'd just go to the lead and keep kicking, which it did. So I actually got one right. But it was a nice ride from Brock Ryan too, just taking... Uh, it was very aggressive early, went to the front and just kept going. A lot I've got to find out in a short period of time, seeing it's your last day before autumn. I'm, do... not, I'm not dying, you know. No, no. Yeah. You do back winners, do you? Uh, very occasionally. That's the first time well, I think you, you've said you've backed a winner. Well, you, you know what? Just very occasionally. Like, I'm, I'm talking about one or two minutes every month. My, my missus might tune into the show. So if she hears that I'm sort of spreaking that I backed a winner or something, you know, she might just have the hand out for a water cash. So just on the off chance she's listening, um, I, you know, I back a lot of losers, darling. There's nothing left in the kick. It's not the first time you've painted this ogreish picture of her. And, <laughs> and, and listeners, she's not like that. Let me assure you, she is not like that at all. That was Newcastle. And of course, the the uh, provincial trail continues next week. We go to Kembla for the gong. So another big card down there. Okay, let's turn our attention now to Doombin. And we had a good nine race car. And, uh, of course, a lot of rain late in the week where the track was rated a heavy nine on Friday morning. We knew it would always improve because Dooman is an outstanding recovering track. And that was certainly the case. And we got to a, a soft five midway through the day. But it was certainly a track that didn't interfere with any runner's chances. Let's go to the feature. This was the listed Tab Keith Nowd. And two well-back runners here, Tambo's mate and Simply Fly. Stampy comes to the turn leading from Simply Fly. Tambo's made third, just waiting on a run to the outside in Trepidatious. Wider nick and over. He's trying to wind up under the big weight. Silvera's just behind them. Stampy leads away. Tambo's mate coming through strongly. In Trepidatious, still there. Then came Simply Fly. Tambo's mate up on the inside. Went to Stampy. They'll fight it out. Down the outside. Baller flashing home. Tambo's mate in front. He needs the post and he's got it. 
Tambo's mate. That gives Gollum five Keith Downs, the last four on the bounce. Beat home Stampy, Baller and Nicanova. Then came Silvera, followed by Simply Fly, Chapter and Verse, Intrepidatious, Wickedy Out of It, then Rather Salubrious and Boomsara out towards the tail in one nine nine nine. Tambo's mate the winner, uh, given, as they say, a peach of a ride by Ryan Maloney and was able to run down a very brave stamper, Stampy and Tony Gollum providing first and third with Baller, uh, a red flashing light on it, uh, hitting the line well. It was a good day for the Gollum stable, a treble there, and uh, Tony's joining us this morning. Always appreciate his time. Tony, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Dave. Good morning, Ben. Hey, I mentioned in the broadcast, I thought it was significant to mention it because this race, the Keith now. Many might know this. This only originated uh, back a decade ago when you actually won the first running of it with a horse called Listen Son and you won the last four. So the Keith now, it's it's time virtually coincides with the time you arrived and set up shop in Brisbane. So it's a race, I think, that's probably of some special significance to you. Yeah, well, especially if I can keep on winning it, that's <laughs> for sure. It seems to really springboard you know, my, my summer. Um, I think the summer carnival and the time I've been in Brisbane, I've been in Brisbane 10 years next year. So it's my 10th sort of season down there. And I feel that the summer carnival has grown and grown and grown. And the Keith now is a, it's an excellent launching pad for that summer. I think um, it really sets horses off on the, on the right trajectory for their preparations. And I was particularly pleased with my three horses yesterday that ran in the race and they've all got a pretty nice summer ahead. Were you always going to run Tambo's mate in this, Tony, or did no. the fact that it was no. uh, a wet track or, you know, probably going to be a wet track commit you to running? Yeah, basically, we just I just changed with the weather conditions. I, I mentioned that a bit when he won his first start for me, which was his, his last run before a little tiny freshen up, was that he's sort of a horse, and, and Dallin Tamlin, he's, he's excellent to train for in that regard. We, we just sort of chased the, the clouds, really, and I had him back in with in mind for the, uh, for the Swiss Ace next week, knowing that I still had another... You know, pretty good team of horses heading there as well with him. He's a good horse in his own right, really, particularly if you can get on tracks with Sting in the ground. There's also some races in Sydney that coincide with um, with the Swiss Ace and then obviously the George Moore, the Razor Sharp just before that. So there are options that mm. that can suit this horse if I was to pop him over the border. And it was all just depends on weather, etc. And when it comes this, this week, I was a little bit nervous, 1,200 as opposed to being ready for the 1,000 next week. Just worried me a touch. I give him the jump out on Tuesday as per plan, and um, he come through it really well. And I, I made the decision about five minutes to nine on Wednesday morning that we'd run. So we accepted, and then off we went. He's a six-year-old by Mossman, and he's relatively lightly raced. This is the first preparation for you. Did this horse have an injury uh, before he came to your stable? Yeah, look, I think he's had some injuries all the way along. I mean, uh, Stuart Kendrick managed him beautifully uh, prior to me getting him. I was just awfully lucky to get a phone call but you know he's always had some issues I think uh, possibly from when um, Dallin bred him even from when, as, as, as a yearling so mm. I think he's always had to be managed a little bit um, and it's really important at this stage of his life now that we that we really get on them right surfaces um, and while this you know, rain, this El Nino whatever it's called is around, if we can um, chase some clouds I, I think he's, he's going to have still got some more wins in store and Baller, wow, we Tone, what a what a return that yeah. was! Fabulous, wasn't already a Group Two winner, obviously, but uh, looks yeah. like he could have a fabulous time, in, you know, in the summer. I suppose you just keep him on the fresh side, and away we go. Yeah, he's been a real a revelation since he's come come to us, Baller. I mean, he hit the ground running in the goal market. At, you know, when he just snuck into a field, really, his rating was that low, and 
now he's nearly up there carrying top weights and these sorts of races. So he, he's come a long way in a short time. He's always had ability from when Anthony had him and, and also Chris, obviously. But he's a talented horse. I, I was sort of... Uh, Luke Warm and the way that he was coming up, he had an entrapped epiglottis in the, in the winter. We had to get that unentrapped and some antibiotics, etc., to go along with that. And I thought he was coming up quite well. I was just a bit mixed on his, his jump outs and trials, and um, it was just really good to see him back yesterday. I thought he was clearly the run of the race. It doesn't take anything away from the winner of the second horse, but for the amount of ground he had to make up, he went past a good horse like Nick Inova in the straight quite comfortably. That sort of tells you where he's at. So there's good improvement in this horse. and I suggest he's probably the horse the punters will want to follow into the George Moore in three weeks. And, and I imagine Tambo's mate will go there as well? Yeah, I'd say so. We, we may, I'll just talk to Dylan again later in the week, we may look at the race a sharp a week earlier in Sydney if it happens to be really, really wet. Mm. Um, so we'll just be, be guided by the weather. But at this point in time, I'd prefer to leave him here. It just saves that 12-hour yeah, flight trip to Sydney on, um, on, on legs that need to be looked after. So we'll just see what we do. I understand why you like the Summer Carnival because you have plenty of success at it. And, and uh, this year, right at this very time, you've got this cluster of, of very uh, talented sprinters. So we saw three runners on display yesterday in the Keith. Now, we go to the Swiss Ace next Saturday. What's lining up for the stable there? Um, Zustal, Garibaldi, Needorp, uh, Sugar Boom, uh, The Move... That's there, yeah. I think that's five. enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to think for any more, surely. <laughs> I think that's only. I think that's the five, unless I've missed any. I think that's it for, for the Swiss Ace next week. Have you ever had five in a race? Um, look, I'm not sure. I've definitely had four in a race before. I, I may have had five. I'm, I'm not totally sure, but we've got a cluster of these these good bunch of mm. sprinting horses uh, at, at the moment, and you know we're. Yeah, we're just we're in a really lucky situation, privileged situation that we've had some you know horses transfer stables to ours, and you know we're very very humbled and privileged by that. But we've got a nice team of horses at the moment. Hopefully, the summer can work out well for us. And, and Tony, I did a story last week that Ben Thompson um, is about his uh, you know his four month ban is just about finished, and he's back riding I think on Wednesday. Um, yeah, you've used him a lot, obviously during his ban at, at you know jump outs and trials and whatever. So he's a very talented young rider. I'm assuming he'll get a bit of support from your stable. I think he's booked for Garibaldi. Is that right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, next week. Yeah, no, Ben's been doing a lot, lot of work. He was just starting to get a bit of a go on for us prior to the ban, so. That was pretty annoying for him and probably us as stable. But he filled, he filled a good niche uh, for us. Obviously, Ryan does a lot of riding for us, as you saw there again yesterday. But Stephanie's picked up Ben's sort of role, getting on them 54-kilo horses and, and moving her way through. So there'll be a, some interesting dinner discussions, I'm sure, between <laughs> them over the next few months <laughs> over who gets what. But, um, yeah, Ben's going to do, do a good job for the stable, I'm sure, as Stephanie's doing a terrific job, as is Ryan and and several others were used. But, yeah, no, Ben will get a good support for us. He's got one, I think, for us on Wednesday if we decide to run one of the two-year-olds. And then, um, yeah, he's got Garibaldi and a few more horses to come through the summer. I just wanted, before we go off that race next week, I think it's worthy to, to, to talk about Zoo Style because this is a horse that will create a lot of discussion leading up to the race. Every time I see a trial or a jump out, I see him up there winning. Uh, obviously, he's going well. Yeah, it's going really well. Um, yeah, Basically, he got a summer preparation mapped out, what I had mapped out for him last summer prior to getting that small injury, which did take a long time to settle down. But a lot of that was, was, was also giving his joints some time to settle down, which is injuries he's had from when he was born as a foal. So 
I, I think it's going to rejuvenate Zustyle personally. I know he's a highly talented horse, he's, but he is very fragile. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever had him going as good as what he's going now. So that's, you know, ominous for me for next week's race. I think he's he's going to be the right horse for that race. He's going the best I've ever had him going. He's sound, he's happy, and he's had a beautiful, nice, long preparation to get him ready for this. So he's in good order. I know this is a hard question, Tony. You've got a lot of two-year-olds. At this stage, uh, what's a two-year-old that, uh, I mean, you haven't, I think you've only produced one or two at the moment. Is there a two-year-old? Just one so yeah, far. That was yesterday, yeah. Is there a two-year-old yeah, in the back pocket? Yeah, yesterday, yeah, is there a two-year-old in your back pocket that you you sort of think, wow, we this um, this this uh, this baby could be something? <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of two-year-olds there. There's um, there's a couple there. There's a filly I quite like. She's had a couple of um, a trial and a, and a jump out. Um, also, Alan Acton's by, by Spirit of Boom, Honey Pot. I think she's quite a nice filly. You'll probably see her go around next Saturday. And there's a nice, I'm invincible colt. If we get that far with him, we call him the Tuno. Um, had a jump out pretty soft during the week, won pretty well. So there's a few there going along quite nice. Um, but obviously they've got to get to the races and they've got to keep on improving. And what did you make of your your, uh, your two-year-old yesterday, Sawiti or Sawiti or however I say Oh, that. she probably did enough wrong to get back, didn't she? You know, she jumped out, she wanted to get on one rein a little bit and then sort of went out to a three-length lead, which was you know, not characteristic, by the way, Steph Thornton rides, but she was trying to work with her a bit and just didn't know how to really let go. I, I know the track was beautiful there yesterday and she's full, full credit to the team I just thought she'd be far better when it got back to that five you know right on top of the ground but she'll improve with a bit of racing but she, she's doing it all on one prep this filly she'll be much better when I can give her a break and bring her back in the autumn now you know I'm not afraid to pot your horses I've done that over the last 10 years and uh, more often <laughs> wrong than right and I was wrong yesterday you can be the headmaster Gollum and I'm pupil Fowler tell me why I potted Lyrical Girl and why I shouldn't have potted Lyrical Girl because she went back to back yesterday I think the reason why why you may have potted her is that is that she's been vulnerable with preparation. There did look to be a lot of pressure in that race yesterday. So I'd imagine you might have thought she mightn't have absorbed that pressure. The reason you shouldn't have potted her is because the form out of her races has been brilliant. You've seen that with Shamaton. We've seen that in them short course races. And I think Ryan's getting better at riding it too. Yesterday, we're mindful when he went out in there, he said, I, I don't think I'll go I'll try and get her to go as steady today. If they want to put a bit of pressure on me, I'll just let her just keep keep increasing a little bit. And he did that really well. And he really controlled the race, and it was easy to watch. If you were on Lyrical Girl, it was, it was easy to watch her in the run. She was never going to get beat the way the race was panning out in front of her. And she's a mare that she did limited racing over 12 months, and she's very gross. So now I've got her fully fit. She'll hold that sort of form. Yeah, the tough part, I suppose, is where do you head with her? She's a mid-80s rider yeah. now, and, you know, yeah. it, it seems her, her, her zone is to 1,100. I don't know if you go to the 1,200 metres, but you may have to. Yeah, I think I probably do, unfortunately. And that you're right, you are right. I will be nervous that last half furlong. You know, I've seen horses. You know, then again, you get some that you think they're not going to get the 1200, and they actually enjoy that tempo of 1200. She might just mm. enjoy that because she's got that thousand meter speed, and she might be able to get away with you know, you know, furlong and a half of a cheap sectional and, and catch me if you can, sort of stuff. So. My heart will be in my mouth the last half furlong, but I probably have got to try her at 1,200 now. I'm just for limited choice. If you've just joined us, we're in the Tony Gollan class this morning, Ben Dorries <laughs> and David Fowler. Ben's now going to ask you why I shouldn't have potted Salatine yesterday, because I can't ask two in a row. Yeah, look, Salatine, uh, look, she's just a victim of, of the, the Doom and Eagle Farm situation. She's on her own. She has lots of horses there. To, to much made of surface eagle farm and it's just one that doesn't suit her you know she looked like an absolute but she wouldn't have wanted Aramanga the way she raced at eagle farm the other day but she could sit three wide yesterday no cover and win like a horse that could go to a stakes race and be mm. competitive and that's the sort of 
feeling I have for this filly. She's a beautiful pedigree. I'm invincible mare that we're very lucky to have up here in our stable. And she can certainly play a role. And I wouldn't be surprised if she can play a role in fillies and mares listed races coming up this summer. So these horses that, uh, like her, that don't go for one reason or another at Eagle Farm, do you just mm. do you put the pen through them at Eagle Farm now? Or do you just go, well, yeah. no matter what yeah, the programming do. says, yep. I'm not going to race this horse there in future? Yeah, correct. Yeah, you do, mate. That's exactly what you do. You just put a line through that. That is an option. You don't make it an option. The owners are more than happy to back my judgment on that, and then off we go. We don't we don't think about it again. We don't talk about it again. We just move on with life, and that's what we do with Salatine. You just never see her race across the road again. Speaking about moving on with life, you've trained 34 Metro winners this season. You've won eight premierships. So that 34 at this time of the year, you, you, you're tracking well to get that 100 or plus mark? Yeah, it took me a long time to get 100, and... I did. I, it was a real sense of achievement for our stable, and to be able to back up and do it again was terrific, and we'll try and do it again this season. So we don't sort of think about that too much at the moment. We're more thinking about, you know, our path towards Magic Means Day, et cetera, at the moment. But all those sorts of things look after themselves if we, if we do things well week in, week out. And the stable's going along beautifully. I've got an awful amount of help there, which is what I need, and, and hopefully we can keep on having doing a good job this summer, and then obviously we start to really set our sights then on the winter, which we had a great winter the last one, which we've been a bit light on, so we really want to set hard again on the winter next year. Nathan Exelby had a go at me after the last race yesterday because I've been saying, I've seen your new, not your new, your show, the final gallop. He said, David, he said it was episode 157 when you chimed in. He said, you're not finding anything new, mate. But I enjoy it. I like it. I watch it on Friday nights now and it gives you a lot of information. Yeah, Stephen Locke does a great job. He puts it all together for me. And, it, you know, I've only got to give you know, 30 minutes of my time, basically. The rest of it's done. And we, we try and give pretty upfront appraisals of our horses. And for those people that were on put on the red light yesterday, they would have had awful pain in their guts like I did watching the race. That was never the plan. But, look, bad alleys make for decisions that we wouldn't normally do. And I think you'll see her bounce back well in the, in, in the mode stakes in three weeks' time. That was one I got up on you. I backed the winner, Mimi Lagarde. So I did finish in front of you on one occasion. Hey, uh, always, right. always appreciate your time and, and your information. Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Tony Gollan, our Premier Trainer, joining us. And, yes, he's on 34 winners. His best so far is 103. But uh, working that out, he's tracking very well to get to that, that mark again. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, they're very, as much as we laugh about it, they're quite valuable, aren't they, those little... You know, Twitter shows and videos that trainers and, and whatever do, and, and if nothing else, they're entertaining and they give you a bit of a I'm all over give it. you a bit of a leg up. Yeah, I'm I'm, t- I'm texting people now to, to tell them how to improve their, their shows. Yeah. Smile more. There's one. There's one trainer that doesn't smile a lot. Perhaps we should start one. What do you think? No, no, no. no. This nothing. is enough for us. We, <laughs> we don't. Need we shouldn't to, extend ourselves. We don't anymore. need to see our heads uh, on. Uh, like the voices are enough, but. No, they are good, and they do provide a lot of relevant information, particularly if you're having a bet. Let's go to the first race yesterday. This is a good story. The winner is Mashani Metal. Didn't go unnoticed in betting. $12 down to 9 Six lengths span them, 500 left to run. Sweetie on the bridle leads. Heroic Sana is now edging closer, trailing by length. Florida Oasis off the track, three wide. Battledance fourth, needing a run. Then Mashani middle. Kalia dropped back, and Brigalilli is in last. In the straight by the 300. Sweetie led the way. Heroic Sun now giving the eye on the outside. Coming after it, Gamely. Wider Floral Oasis. And then came Mashani middle running on fairly well. Heroic Sun and Sweetie, they're in a good battle. 50 to run, and Mashani middle drops. Going through the centre, might beat them all. Here's the post. 
former shiny metal might have got the dive in from heroic son and sweetie photo finished not certain about fourth Kalia's prominent then battle dance floral oasis and bring a lily bring a lily last home in 1679 so, Mashani Metal got the bob in all right. Jackson Morris riding for Les Ross, and he's our next guest. Les, good morning. Morning, David. You know, something people say to me so often, they say, oh, these early season two-year-olds, they're not the best two-year-olds, and, you know, I've got one better, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Funny thing, Les, the money's the same for these races as it is for, the, <laughs> for any other race. So you're just uh, cleaning them up, and you, you do this regularly year in, year out at this time of year. Yeah, big thanks to Mike Crooks. That's uh, uh, part of the reason. He um, <laughs> breeds a lot of the horses, or 90% of the horses he breeds himself, and uh, he, he entrusts me with the early ones. And uh, we do eight or ten work, eight or ten months work before we get there. So uh, you know, uh, it's pretty light the first part of the year for me. But um, now it's my time to get a little bit of coin back in. <laughs> In all seriousness, this was a terrific ride, wasn't it, by Jackson Morris? Because on the on the corner, you must have thought, "Wow, we where are we going to go here?" Well, funny you say that. Uh, Sheridan Thomas and me, apprentice, he actually um, picked this bloke out of the thirty odd horses. I said, "Mate, find one you like, and I'll and get you on it, uh, and keep you on it." And he picked him out. And the first ride, he rode him in Toowoomba, and he rode him cold because he drew the outside uh, gate, and and he, and he finished off nice, you know. And uh, every other time we've sort of put him on the bunny uh, and I said to Jackson yesterday, you know, just if we can just give him a bit of cover and a cuddle early, he, he should be finishing off and um, being the only horse in the race that had four starts, uh, certainly the fifth horse in the race, so yeah, it all planned out. But I, I was getting a bit worried when they went a furlong because uh, I wanted him third, fourth defence and uh, he's back last, so yeah, funny how racing is. Just going back to this operation, uh, how many two-year-olds do you have on the books this season? Oh, to be truthful, mate, I don't even look. I, uh, I, I It gives me a headache. Uh, <laughs> we started 33 this year we we uh, started off with. Mm. And, um, yeah, Mike uh, has a great association with Aquas now, uh, Paul Knight and the group over there. Um, they do a wonderful job of promoting the stallions and that, and he sent uh, 10 mares to uh, the mission this year and out of the 10 we only ended up with six and they cut this $100,000 bonus for any horse that could win in town as a character to try to promote the stallion and uh, yeah hopefully uh, the other four can can salute. Yeah, this is the thing uh, I just want you to explain to our listeners this morning because many mightn't be aware of just how valuable or how profitable these these cutest two-year-old races can be so you, you have the the prize money as such then you have the the cutest bonus and then you have if it's a filly another bonus so for example a two-year-old cutest filly what could she, what can she potentially win at a saturday race unfortunately this year i haven't won any with the fillies i've only won the geldings which is three of them but they win 67 and i believe the fillies get another 25 percent which i uh yeah close that close to eighty thousand. It used to be seventy nine thousand five hundred, but I think it's gone up a little bit even uh, since last year. So uh, yeah, it's a nice boot along. Yeah. Nice boot along, and then the, the then the bonus of Aquas on top of that, the, the owner or the breeder in this case, um, it's a it's a good great incentive. Mashani Persuasion and Mashani Warfare have been your other city winners. Um, 
Are there any yet to be unveiled in the Mashani department? Any ones we haven't seen yet? It's a funny thing. Like last year, we won first up with Mashani Scandal, and I said, "Oh, we've got plenty at home better than him." He never won another race last year, and I think um, Mashani Delight won two, and uh, Sweet Rhapsody won a couple. Uh, Mashani Miss won four, I think. Um, so yeah, there's plenty there. Like um, there's plenty there that's un. But I mean, you say, as soon as you say they're going to be better, mm. uh, I, I reckon that horse that won yesterday is probably around the tenth best horse in the state. <laughs> out of the three, out of the two-year-olds we had, out of the thirty we got, I reckon he's a, he's about eighth or ninth in in, in running. But uh, you know, at the moment he's uh, he's running a, a close third, so because he's he's up with the money. So, question from the peanut gallery here, Les. With all the Mashani names, do you ever sort of scratch your head and get a bit confused sometimes? I must admit, I do as a punter. I see all these Mashanis and you sort of try and remember which one's which. And I mean, do you ever get like that yourself? Yeah, well, uh, Simone Schultz, she actually names them all now, but uh, Mike's wife, Patty, used to do all the naming and now Simone does and she's with them from day dot. She, she has them since foals and everything and she's a big part of the naming uh, in them. But we call them by their mother's name to start with when they come to the stable and then Simone uh, thinks up of a nickname and then she finds their name and then she tells my daughter along the way uh, so you know half the time we call them the, different, the wrong horse because uh, they've got, they got a nickname they've got their mother's name and they've got the, their, their real name and then, and then, then the riser actually tells you their proper name and the the one that they're supposed to get, they mightn't get. But the majority of the time, he gets it because of the Mashani. So whatever he puts in, he usually gets. But um, you know, it does get confusing. And um, you know, we're, I'm very lucky. I got uh, my daughter Lacey. She knows them backwards. And uh, Mike's very lucky. He's got Simone out there because she know she's with them 24/7. Ben's worried about you. He should worry about me, the race caller, because every time <laughs> these early season two-year-olds are on, there's about three or four there, all the different caps. But we get through it, okay? Look. Um, Continue good work, mate, to, to you and Mike. I've known Mike for a long time. Just before you go, I recall about a year ago, or maybe longer, I thought you were going to give the training away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's official now. I, um, well, it's not official. Ten more days I can sort of talk on it, but it's uh, I've sold my stables, and, uh, yeah, that's what I want to do. I, I only ever trained for one reason, was for the money, and um, uh, the, the racing has been good to me, but um, uh, selling the stables has uh, made a a small uh, profit on that the other day and uh, hopefully within 12 months uh, they're finalised and a bloke can put the feet up. So you're still training at least for another year, is that right? Yeah, well, that was the idea. We were were supposed to... uh, I I always try to have my place on the market. It's taken uh, nearly four years to sell, I believe, but uh, probably because I had too much money on it, but I got what I wanted and, um, yeah, within 12 months it's going to be settled and the money will drop in the bank and hopefully I can uh, ride off into the sunset. Well, you've had a very versatile career. You've you, you had a karaoke business and Bart Sinclair tried to manage you as a, as a personality. That didn't last too long, did it, with, with Sinclair? <laughs> no, we, uh, we, we had a bit of fun along the way, but uh, no, it's been great. It's, uh, yeah, I just uh, I, I don't do anything I don't enjoy and uh, we've, had a, we've had a pretty fun sort of time in the last 20 or 30 years, so... Uh, but yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully in 12 months' time I can put my feet up. But I said to Mike, I told Mike the other day, and he said, "No, you're not retiring." I said, "Oh, yeah, you're probably right." But uh, yeah, I, I, I think after I have a bit of a break, I probably will be looking to 
looking to come back. You, you never say never, but uh, yeah, it'll be nice. Uh, it'll be just nice when the money drops in, and and I can so I can hang me right along. Good luck to you. Always good to see you win. Thanks for your time this morning, Les. No problem. Thank you, David. Les Ross joining us this morning, and when he says he only trained for the money, to be fair. Uh, the, the, the the real story to that is he always wanted to give his kids a good education. He was determined that that to be able because he never had one himself, mm. and uh, and he's done that and, and delivered in spades. So oh, I want to drill down into this story about Bart Sinclair managing him as a pal. Oh. What's that about? <laughs> well, it's probably something I shouldn't disclose, but I will. Um, <laughs> no, no. no well, 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 he's had a, he's had a versatile career himself, but post uh, journalism. I think he thought he could become an entrepreneur, you know, um, and he found Les Ross and he tried to take him to functions and things. Well, it lasted for two times or something and yeah. then was just quietly dismissed. So we don't like talking about it. I don't want anyone really to, you know, I don't want the listeners to know about it, but at least I've told you. Yeah, yeah. I imagine he would have been very entertaining, maybe in the, the style of the old Greg Ritchie sort of punches. Oh, no, no, he was doing it. He's doing no, not Bard. Les, I'm talking oh, about. Oh, Les was great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we saw Les at the Burberry Club. We took Les to the Cairns uh, Amateurs for the, the Teller Club. So and... Les was terrific, Bart, not so good? Or... Well, just. He copped the, the commission, but that was about <laughs> it. Then it all ended. Now, let's move on and go to race number nine. This was the last race of the day. Putters tipped in big here. They thought more than number one was the good thing. Let's see how it fared. Shai Jin, can it keep going from Academy, who's tracked it all the way? Don't stop third, then indispensable. More than number one turns in ninth position, nine off the lead. In the straight, Shai Jin leads, but it's on weary legs. Academy looming on the outside, then indispensable. Don't stop. Zenifer, Barney's Law. More than number one is now rallying strongly right down the outside. The favourite's still got a bit of work to do, but it's coming fast now. Academy and don't stop on the outside. Barney's Law, more than number one. Here's the winning post. Fav- no finish. It's either Don't Stop or Barney's Law from more than number one and Zenifer. Then Slow Hands running on. Academy couldn't come on. Then came at the head of the others, Indispensable, followed by Constant Flight, Shijin, Spectroscope, and Cruz is last over the line. And Don't Stop will get the money. It certainly did. Georgie Cartwright riding for one of the good blokes in racing, Paul Nolan Jr. Had a great chat with Paul after the last yesterday, and he was tickle pink that. Don't stop, could win. He's been in really good form, and uh, and raced on what was a very hot speed. Uh, the leader went went mad, crazy. Forty three four, the first seven fifty. What are you laughing at? <laughs> What's funny? I'm just looking at I'm just the favourite of this race. It's just got me in stitches. More than number one, you know. Was with the big testicles. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I read it. Sorry, I've just it's got tears in my eyes. Strange anyway. sorts. Um, so they went so, they went so hard and and. The leaders got swamped, so there was just a bunch finishing on. But I've got to say, for all the rap and spruik about this horse, I feel it still should have won. So I would rate it slightly disappointing for the reputation it went into the race having. Yeah, absolutely, and especially if you're on board as a punter too. I see uh, Steve Hewlett's tweeted this morning that uh, this horse will be nominated for the recognition stakes um, at the Gold Coast Turf Club in a couple of weeks. So. Well, what, there's, what you have to know there, Hewlett has a love affair with this horse. He finds these horses and he falls in love with them. That's mm. his boyfriend. More than number one is Stephen Hewlett's boyfriend, right? Right. Get okay. that. Yep. And as much as you, you 
tell him, and as much as he sees, he won't drop off. He is faithful and loyal to yeah. this horse. Well, fair enough, too. Oh, well, just it's crazy. You're just trying to get me to pot everywhere. You tried to get me to pot Bart. I fell into that. I can see what's going to happen today now. He's going, I'm going to get a call from Bart. <laughs> now you're trying to get me to pot Hewlett. This isn't going to end well. I've got it's to my last show. I've, I've got, got to extract I'm every ounce out of you before <laughs> before we close off in 12 minutes' time. Listen, let's listen to one more race at Doobin, and this is, this is Lyrical Girl winning race six. Into the bend, short of 400 left to run. Lyrical Girl leads away. There's room for She Can Sing to come off the inside. Lyrical Girl's going well, though. She Can Sing really has to knuckle down hard. And then came Palaya Pad. It's Lyrical Girl, the leader. She Can Sing can't get it for the moment. Lyrical Girl in front from She Can Sing and Palaya Pad. And Lyrical Girl all the way. All the honours with her. Beat on Palaya Pad or She Can Sing. Favourite had its chance well and truly. Fourth either King of the Desert or Black Magnum, then hard stride Wudang Blade at one strike last time in 61.34. Someone ran into me on the stairs after the last and said, oh, you're on Lyrical Girl. I, I said, you idiot. I said, my best bet was she can sing and I put a heap on it. So that's why they don't know sometimes when they think they do when I'm calling a race. So Lyrical Girl won and uh, I finished third. Yeah, now I'm convinced there's a horse in this race that's going to uh, win a race soon. Black Magnum. The stable mate to the winner. I wish I had have asked Tony Gollan about this earlier, but it was unwanted in betting yesterday. Ex Mark Newnham horse, nine's out to sixteen dollars. That's it. Fell asleep in the barriers. I reckon missed the start five or six lengths. Yeah, it was a mile back in the first call. Got, got beaten four lengths. Um, I reckon he's he's one to follow. That was Dooman yesterday. Just want to make an honourable mention. Two honourable mentions. One to Mimi Lagarde. She was good winning first up. She's got a good campaign ahead of her. And also a rejuvenated Kubrick. We all thought uh, it might have been uh, an aberration when he won two runs ago at the Dooman Mile, but he proved that was incorrect because he bolted it again yesterday, carried four and a half kilos more and uh, won very easily. So he's certainly in good form at the moment. Let's take a break here on Past the Post. We'll come back and discuss the Cranbourne Cup next. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. This is Ben Dory's swan song until the autumn as you sneak out the door. It just was when Chris Wessel's coming in to sign you up for a horse. So I'll make sure I lasso you before you get out the door because he's got a special one for you. Yeah, right. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> tremendous. That's too convinced. I can't wait. Oh, come on. Come on. Okay, Cram, but this was a bit uh, touch and go before the, the meeting started because uh, we had a lot of rain. It was a heavy eight in the morning and then they had rain during the morning. The jockeys and the stewards inspected the track. Got the green light. We're on a heavy 10 all day, but they got through the meeting, which was good. This was the first Cranbourne Cup run under Saturday conditions. Let's go to the feature race. It was over the, the mile, and our playboy, who, of course, won the previous Saturday at Flemington, was the $2.70 favourite. Buffalo River approaching the corner at the 453 quarters of a length to Age of Chivalry. No effort, two lengths away from Luna Fox. King Magnus Sosibon. Our playboy is going to be the widest. A mud splattered our playboy about four off the lead. Mystery Shot and Barbie's Fox behind them. Buffalo River, Age of Chivalry in front. Mystery Shot darting back between runners. No effort. King Magnus and Sosibon down the outer. King Magnus at the 100 with no effort. Sosibon there. King Magnus surges. King Magnus in front, looking for a local win. King Magnus won the Cranbourne Cup. Our playboy up for second. Photo third mystery shot or Sosi Bond. Then no effort. Next age of chivalry. Behind those in a twinkling Buffalo River. A gap Holby and don't doubt Dory. Well back in the field. Barbie's Fox and Luna Fox. Well, this is a horse who richly deserved a win. He's been a model of consistency. A really good money spinner. 
He came up trumps yesterday on his home track and prepared by Robbie Griffiths and Matthew de Cocker were in a training partnership. And Robbie's been kind enough to join us this morning. Robbie, congratulations. That must be a big thrill to win your hometown cup. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thrill. I mean, growing up here as a young young man and starting my apprenticeship as a, as a jockey here and then becoming a training here and you always want to etch yourself into the uh, folklore and um, and to do it in the inaugural running of the TAB Cranbourne Cup was uh, was something very, very special. Robbie, I think this guy had only had one start on a on a heavy track before. Did, did you always feel like he'd, he'd lap up the, the, the slop, for want of a better word, yesterday? Yeah, we did, actually, because, you know, genetically speaking, his sister was very good that we trained. Um, she was very good in the wet. His training at home has always indicated that he would handle it. So we went to um, Caulfield with limited information on race day that he, he could handle it, and he was very effective at a Paul Waite scale against Buffalo River, who's is very good on the wet. And, uh, and that gave us confidence going into yesterday that um, he would be effective. You know, it's always you need to tick that box again when the conditions were as harsh as they were, but we were confident that uh, that he would be versatile enough to uh, to handle it and uh, and the rest is history, as they say, and he'd come up trumps for us. You've got to get on that PR bandwagon now and get him in the popularity stakes because, you, is it right, you're looking at the All-Star Mile? Oh, absolutely. We're going to nominate him. You know, he's a horse that every time you give him a challenge, he tends to uh, he tends to rise to it. So, you know, it's a dream of all owners to certainly uh, have a, be nominated for it and get on the PR bandwagon, as you say, and and uh, see how we go. I'm not sure what the, the rules are these days, Robbie, whether you can get votes from overseas or not. I know they change them, but you think um, if you can sneak a few votes in from South Africa as well through your, your training partner, and might get you over the line. <laughs> They're all queued up, ready to put the vote in. <laughs> in. In all seriousness, how did the training partnership come about? What was the first... Did you get a, a phone call, an email out of the blue? What was the very first contact? And you, you sort of thought, uh, wow, wait, where's this come from? It actually started. Uh, Mark Decock. Uh, spoke to me about if Matthew would be uh, able to work with me because they were setting up in Australia. And the exact how it exactly started, Mike said, would you be kind enough to let Matthew work alongside of you as you've been the leading stable in Cranbourne for many years? And he would like Matthew to learn the lay of the land if we're going to be setting up in Australia. And uh, I, I actually thought it was an honour to be asked. And that's how it started. And then I had ill health, as as you know. And uh, one of the first calls I made when coming out of hospital was to to let me, uh, Mike know that I'd stick to my promise and uh, Matthew come uh, come across. And whilst working with Matthew, uh, we just got on lot fantastically and were so compatible. And then, you know, I couldn't help but ring Mike and said, listen, you know, rather than setting up in Australia, why don't we have a partnership? And it grew from there and all the families agreed and Matthew and I thought it was a great idea and... That's how it come about. So it was through working with one another, we could see the benefits of uh, two families joining and, uh, and and that's how it started and begun and, and it's been fantastic ever since we've uh, ever since we've joined and his his the benefits of him travelling around the world, um, with his famous father, he's got so much uh, so much global experiences and to bring those two to Cranbourne and, and us to join forces has just been fantastic. So many good stories coming out of this win yesterday. And another one is uh, Lockie King, the, the the winning rider, just out of his apprenticeship. This is a, a good fillip for him yesterday. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's hard for any apprentice, no matter how successful they are, and Lockie's been already successful at the at the top of the tree, winning the VRC Derby. And but to only second ride as a senior um, to step into uh, that position yesterday, and he sees the moment. Like he rode him perfectly, and you know we used Dean Lister speed maps, and uh, we discussed our strategies uh, pre-race, and he, he rode him absolutely perfect as we planned. And, uh, you know, to step straight into the senior role and win the, win a half a million dollar race, uh, is fantastic for him because it's so competitive. We've got some of the best riders in Australia, you know, situated in Victoria. So it's a, it's a pretty, pretty hard gig. And, uh, so that'll really get him going. Just before you go, my coordinator here is a mad keen punter. He said, make sure you ask, can you win either the first two races at Donald today? Oh, we're hoping to win both. I mean, we've got some good chances there. Bring the Stars has been knocking on the door and um, his, his Achilles heel is the, is the wet ground and uh, so soft five should be fine for him. Um, the track was a bit average at Moey last start. It was a bit it was a bit sort of rain affected. He looks well suited. 2000 should suit. Unknown at the trip, it looks as though it'll suit him. So he really should be a super chance. The Cassini... Is a really nice horse that uh, ran very well when Lockie rode him on debut when the 1350 should suit. Both horses would disappoint us if they didn't run top three and give us great, great runs, but we're really hoping that we can have two winners. So fingers crossed that our um, good form can continue, but we're, we're hoping to get two winners up there. And one last question. We're asking most of our interstate guests, uh, anything uh, for, for Queensland in the summer? Yes. There's a really nice horse that had one run, uh, our first two-year-old purchase for the year. Uh, he ran uh, Lee Gagne, ran third at uh, Flemington with James McDonald on uh, a nice Shalar Colt. He ran third cup day. He'll go to the Magic Minions event um, this Saturday in the two-year-old classic. And if he continues to handle his racing, he could run in the Magic Minions uh, two-year-old. Fair enough. Well, congratulations on yesterday. It means a lot in a lot of ways. So uh, thanks for your time this morning and uh, hopefully see you here in the summer. Uh, terrific. Thanks for having me on. Robbie Griffiths and uh, Matthew DeCock uh, teaming up to train Kick Magnus to win the Cranbourne Cup. Let's go to a couple of other highlights from yesterday. And Dexalation comes... <laughs> you like this replay, Ben. Dexalation comes with a withering run to beat Sir Callahan in race six. 300 to go. Sir Callahad has been backed and led by two lengths. Huffington, bless her, Blazjowski up on the fence, then Dexalation. Sir Callahad at the 200 metres, led by a length and a half. Blazjowski and bless her digging in. Sir Callahad with 50 to go from bless her. Dexalation late. Sir Callahad coming hard. Dexalation and got up. Dexalation's nab Sir Callahad right on the mirror. Third, bless her from Dexalation. Uh, rather on the inside, Blaze Jowski. And then came second last in the race, Huffington. And I am someone last. A rare error there by Matthew Hill when he said uh, Sir Callahad backed. It should have been Sir Callahad backed by Ben Dorries. Oh, I like it. Do you know, back for plenty. Do you know what's, what's bad? I did back this horse to my nosebleed. But then... Uh, you just narrowly get pipped on the line, and as much as you love him, you have to listen to Craig Williams' post-race spiel, which goes for about 20 minutes on the winner. I was like, shut up, Craig. I don't care. But anyway, good luck to him and uh, great training performance to uh, basically keep this seven-year-old uh, up to the mark by the Jolly yeah. Stable. Richard and Chantel Jolly. Mark Hunter made a good point on radio yesterday morning when he said they're clever in the way they place their horses. They don't aim too high. They aim at the right level. 
and often they get the results. And this fellow, he's in, in, in the best form of his career. He's unbeaten in three runs this time in. Our last replay is the Rosemount stud pendant. And here's the action. Brazen Song keeps them running and is starting to gap them. Coming up to the turn, put up two and a half lengths, maybe the best who's trying hard. Then Paul's Regret next in the field, Bell Placier as Brazen Song has a few of these off the bit. April Rains fifth and has a lot to do from Wana Leary. Around the turn, Brazen Song well and truly off the rails. Getting a bit weary now. Led two lengths, maybe the best and Paul's Regret back to the inside. Then Bell Placier, they've got to Brazen Song. Maybe the best and Paul's Regret left to fight it out. Maybe be the best with Paul's Regret. Paul's Regret up on the paint and Paul's Regret won it from maybe the best Bell Placier. Fourth a photo April Rain or Brazen Song and then Wana Leary. Next standoff and a long last force of will. She's often given a rough chance in races. Fair to say she doesn't win out of turn but she did yesterday. Damien Thornton riding there uh, and started at good odds, $9.50. They were the highlights from Cranbourne yesterday, and that is our program for today, and that is you for the spring. It is. Uh, it's been fun. You never guess where I'm going next Saturday. Actually, I think I told you, so you probably would guess. I'm off to Roma for the Roma Cup. No, you didn't tell me. Didn't I? No. Yeah, I'm on a, a little plane, which yes. I'm not that fussed on, to be honest, because they fall out of the sky like darts, these little planes. Yeah. So, don't uh, say that. Anyway, are, so if, are, I, if I don't come back, you know... There are a few heavy hitters going to Roma next week, too. I'm not one of them. Oh, you're in the heavy hitting category. But look, mate, in all seriousness, thanks for your contribution and uh, your time. We've had a lot of fun over the last few months and look forward to having fun in the autumn. Well, it'll still be summer, actually, but Mm. we'll be looking at the autumn. These these seasons overlap in racing. Hey, I haven't been sacked from... um the uh, the press box so, press room show on Monday too. Have, I? have you gotten rid of that? Me, you got rid rid of me from there as well. No, no, no. no. press room, press room. I call press, press box. box. I used to be on a Fox Sports show called Press Box Telly Show. I always get it confused. But anyway, I look forward to joining you tomorrow, David Fowler. Good on you, mate. And folks, I look forward to your company tomorrow morning for press room as well. But thanks for being with us on Past the Post today. I'll be back next Sunday with Nathan Exelby who returns to the chair. Until then, have a good time.